Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 22 through 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me once more this morning? Gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift that you've given us through your holy scriptures. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts so that we might hear the truth that you have shown us through this. And Lord, for myself, I pray that my words would do nothing but bring you glory because aside from that, they are worthless. Lord, bless each of us here today that we might, through this time, come to be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So whenever we read scripture, one of the things that automatically, sort of as part of human nature happens, is we start to think about things that we might be able to connect together with it. And so when we read different things, we might think about things that are similar that have happened to us. Well, in this case, we've found ourselves in the middle of a party. And so as I've thought back to all of the the parties that I've experienced in my life, I've realized that the natural thing that I think about are birthday parties. Now, I'll say this. I turned 27 this year, and there's not really a whole lot to look forward to with that. I passed 25 a couple of years ago and can rent a car now, so there's not really anything to look forward to until the day comes that I can finally order off of that much-coveted senior menu. But when you're young, 
There are these milestones all the time. Birthday parties are a big deal. I know we uh, come as we age to uh, forget the joy of birthday parties. They kind of lose their luster as time goes on. But man, when you're a kid, there are a few things that are better than a birthday party. And I know for me, one of the things that, as I was thinking about, I was debating between which of the parties as a child I thought were some of the best. And my 11th birthday party came to mind. Now, when you're 11, the world seems like a bigger place than when you're an adult. And for me, I have a summer birthday, so just a few days after my party, I knew that me and my friends were about to start middle school And that meant that we weren't kids anymore. And so in some ways, we saw this as a sort of last hurrah to childhood. Now, that seems kind of funny now looking back, but at the time it was a big deal. I wanted this to be a significant birthday party. And so knowing that my mom worked at the school district and that she had access to some of the things that Uh, some of the technology that sat in the backs of closets and was forgotten, I asked her if she could bring home a projector. And so she did, and we set up a sheet in our living room. And me and my friends stayed up all night playing video games and watching movies, chatting, messing around, just having a generally good time. And I remember with that birthday party, as with so many others, in my childhood, thinking as the sun started to rise, I don't ever want this to end. But the truth is, and we come to know this, every party comes to an end. It's just a fact of life. It's part of the burden of the passing of time. You can't slow down the clock and every party comes to an end. This is something that we've wrestled with forever, But it seems like we're wrestling with it even more now than uh, in the past. Maybe I'm just noticing it more, but it seems like companies have really started to realize that nostalgia sells. It's funny, old TV shows are being continued or rebooted. Old movies are being remade for a new generation that missed them the first time around. Or maybe... Maybe they're actually for the generation that enjoyed them the first time and wants to revisit some of that charm. It seems like half of the things being released right now are set in the 80s. It's like we're collectively, as a society, looking for something better. Like we're longing for an idealized past, for the time before the party ended. Friends, over the past Two weeks, we've been talking about ways that we can see God's will in our lives. Some of the things that we've talked about have been that we can look to our own experiences of faith. We can look back through honest and prayerful reflection at the ways that God has worked before and use that to see how God might be working now. And we've looked back and said that we can see in Scripture the nature and character of God so that we know where to look when we're trying to see how God is revealing himself even now. 
We've been taking a big picture approach to this question of how can we see God's will? How is God revealing himself? What does it mean to live a faithful life? And how can we know what faith looks like from one moment to the next? But now I want us to, for the next few weeks, make a little transition to move away from the big picture kinds of ways that God reveals himself and look back at scripture and see how the person of Jesus, God the Son, revealed himself through the work that he did and the miracles that he worked during his ministry. Now, as we embark on that, it only makes sense that the very first place we'd start would be with Jesus' very first miracle, which is what we've read here this morning. As I said, it finds us in the middle of a party, a wedding celebration, a feast to be precise. And in the feast after this wedding, three days in, the people had run out of wine. Now, obviously, they didn't want the party to end. These ordeals usually went on for a week or longer. So for it to end after three days felt like things were being cut short. So it's no wonder that the people didn't want it to end. They weren't ready for the party to end. And so Mary, the good mother that she was, went to Jesus for help. Now, Jesus' Messiahship was not yet known at this point. Nobody knew, other than Mary, who Jesus was, and she only knew because an angel had told her. So nobody would have had any reason whatsoever to expect that Jesus could do anything other than maybe go buy some more wine. And yet Mary came to him and asked him to fix this problem, to keep the party going. Now, Jesus does an interesting thing here, but if you read through Scripture, especially at the start of the Gospels, you find this over and over again. Jesus tells his mother, my hour has not yet come. It's not time for people to know who I am yet. They're not ready for this. And this seems strange, but if you look at it, even just a short while later after Jesus heals a leper, When he asks, what should I do? Jesus says, don't tell anybody what's happened. This miracle, this healing was for you. But it's not yet time for the world to know what I'm doing. My hour has not yet come. Yet even though this was true, even though the world wasn't ready for Jesus quite yet, he worked his first miracle He turned water into wine. And he kept that party going even better than it was before. Now, looking at this scripture, looking at this story, it's pretty easy to separate it out into two parts. Pre-miracle and post-miracle. So, let's start with looking at what happened before the water was changed. The party was ending. The wine was all gone, and all that's left in the room, it tells us, were these stone jars, these jugs that held 20 to 30 gallons of water each. Now, these things would have been found in every Jewish dining room, maybe not at that size, but in some form, because there was a ritual that before the people of Israel ate, they would wash their hands 
and ask the Lord to bless their meal. And then after they ate, they would wash their hands again and give him thanks for what they had been given. These were part of everyday life and a part of these everyday rituals and ceremonies, these acts of devotion. But they were common. Everybody would have had something like this. And I'm sure as the people came to Jesus, they weren't thinking about these at all. All they were thinking about was that they were dreading what came next, that the party was coming to an end. And the people who noticed the state of things would surely have been wishing that they had the wine that they had started with, that they could go back to the time when the jars were full and people were happy and they had a party to look forward to. After all, the best that we can imagine in most parts of our lives is what we've already known. We look back, oftentimes through rose-tinted glasses, and long for something that probably wasn't as good as you remember it being. Because it's so easy for us to look around and see the monotony of everyday life, and to get disheartened or bored to see the repetition of work or school and feel like there's nothing worthwhile to look forward to, that the best has already passed, and all we can do is wish that we could recapture some of that glory. It's so easy to look around and feel like you're stuck in a boring routine or a boring town or a boring job or a boring life, that all that's left is the plain and the ordinary the everyday, and that there's nothing special there. But what we can see in this very first miracle, what Jesus reveals, is that he used those stone containers, those things that would have been found in every Jewish household, plain and ordinary as they were, to work his very first miracle and keep the party going. Friends, God's plan is a curious thing. It's hard for us to grasp, and here's why. The best is yet to come. We know this. We can read scripture and see all of the prophets and the New Testament authors and every single line looking forward to when God brings this work to completion, that there is a better day on the horizon, that the best is yet to come. But the curious part is that God is going to use the boring and everyday and the mundane parts of life to make it happen. Because as with using these stone jugs, God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things. Now, I don't mean to say that if you trust God with your life, that you're in for a life of pleasure or ease I never mean to say that because Scripture tells us that that's definitely not true. You don't have to look any further than the apostles who mostly died horrible deaths to see that a faithful life doesn't carry the promise of an easy life. But hear this, God is not that small. God's interested in bigger things than an easy life. What I mean by this is that if you walk faithfully, God will use whatever you have, no matter how boring it might seem, to do extraordinary things, to change lives, 
your life and the lives of people that you meet every day. And so Jesus used ordinary water jugs and made wine. But what we see in this post-miracle story is that Jesus didn't just leave it at that. He didn't just keep the party going and he didn't just maintain the status quo. He wasn't interested in creating more of the same. After Jesus works, everything is different. And so when the master of ceremonies checked that new wine, he asked, not knowing what had happened, why they had saved the best for last. You see, from the very beginning, Jesus proved that when he works, he has something better in store. He didn't know what had happened, but he knew that something significant was going on, that the new wine was better than what had come before. But here's the thing. Most of the people didn't know that Jesus had done his first miracle. The servants who saw it knew. The disciples knew what had happened. But the master of the banquet, the bridegroom, they had no idea. All that they knew was that there was new wine. But for those who were there to see, for those who watched Jesus use these ordinary parts of an everyday dining room to make extraordinary new wine, they knew what had happened because they had seen. Friends, I ask you this morning to look at how Jesus can use the everyday parts of life. If we want to know what God has revealed through this first miracle is that he will work. He does work through things that we think are too boring to be used. What does Jesus have in store for you? When I look back at these old birthday parties, when I think back to the joy, the ease of being a preteen or teenager again, I have to keep asking myself the question, why would we look back? Why would we try and go back to how things were when we could look for God to transform the future instead? Why would we settle for what we have, for what we've already known, when Jesus is offering us the best that there is? Because we know that God has something better in store. If we'll trust him with the ordinary parts of life, those things that we don't even think twice about, then God can turn them into an amazing and abundant future. He can give us the sweetest life that we've ever known, unlike anything that's come before. Thanks be to God who works within us to make such a future possible. Amen.